Here we are. Hey, everybody. Alright, get on out of here, you actual unicorn. This here is episode 6. In this episode, we enter the mind of Gunnar Clovis, a game developer here in Vegas, primarily in the casino gaming industry. Gunnar and I met through the International Game Developers Association chapter here in Vegas, which he founded. In my conversation with Gunnar, we talk about evolutionary psychology, the T-model approach to game development skills, finishing small projects, and just good food for thought for any creative out there. Really good conversation, great guy. Alright, here we go. And the music goes! Okay, so my guest today is uh, Mr. Gunnar Clovis, um, which I it took me a long time to figure out if it was E-R or A-R, because mm-hmm. I put you in my phone as E-R, and then I thought that was how you spelled it for since that's, I met you. No, that's all good. <laughs> you know, my grandma spells my name wrong. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm very used to that. It all, and it doesn't bother me at all. It only bothers me when I send like an email to you or like a Discord DM, and then they still misspell my name when it's like yeah. two inches from the text you just read. Like, oh, yeah. That... <laughs> That's the only time I care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll just blame autocorrect. But, yeah. Um, so you are a game developer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're you here. You're in Las Vegas. You're a local. Are you, you from here or no? Uh, yeah. So I could run through my kind of bio. So yeah. I was born hear. in Puyallup, Washington. That's just south of, south of Tacoma, south of Seattle. Uh, and grew up kind of bouncing around there. Uh, I say I'm from Seattle slash L.A., those kind of greater yeah. areas, bouncing between. Uh, and I've just always been a very adaptable person. And ever since I was a kid, I always, I was a smart kid. Like, I peaked when I was 12, and I've only gotten <laughs> dumber since then. So when wow. I was, like, literally five, I said, not exaggerating, I said, oh, I want to do something that's creative because I have so many interests. And so I didn't know what the word entrepreneur was yet or understand mm. the concept. I was like, yeah, no, no, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be something that, at least ideally, my job done, my job performance was directly related to how much money I made. Yeah. And I've just always, yeah, always had such a diverse array of interests. So I originally wanted to be a film director. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked in film a little bit because of, I was in L.A. Uh, and so James Cameron was my hero at the time because you know, he... he just makes things as an excuse to spend money ultimately Mm. like he you know we think of titanic titanic greatest most profitable film of all time for a long time as this grand love story that's Mm -hmm. the association but he didn't care about that he just was obsessed with the ruins of the titanic and he needed oh i need 300 million dollars to rent a bunch of deep sea diving equipment and then he personally like got in these subs and, yeah. and <laughs> looked at the ruins because he just yeah, wanted that's to pretty cool he actually goes yeah. and does that stuff same thing yeah all of his projects he, he just really does it as an excuse to, yeah. because he's interested in a certain thing whether it's a technology or history mm-hmm. or science whatever that is i've always been like that uh, but then when my, my parents split as a kid, I was more settled in Seattle. So like 70%, 70% of my time in Seattle, 30% yeah. in LA, uh, and Seattle, not everyone knows is the game development capital of the world. So pivoted from film to video games at a young age, uh, mainly cause of portal and valve. Okay. Uh, I was a portal Two modder for a long time. I know a lot about that community where I learned a lot of my early game design skills for and, our listeners, a modder is someone who takes uh, the the uh, the game will release what they release the game engine, or they um, release they re- release like an open source uh, thing that you can go and, and like not uh, yes, but not not game. always. Uh, a modder is just someone who makes new content for a pre existing game, okay, in whatever yeah. form. So okay. sometimes I'll be with a level editor, which was my case l- roughly, and they have like their source two hammer, uh, not source two, but their source hammer ed- editor uh, exposed. But a lot of times modders will just like decompile the game files when there's no help at all oh, and wow. like edit scripts individually that, and like do crazy stuff that's yeah. so that's the most punk rock thing ever it's, it's like, super punk rock yeah, yeah yeah that's how a lot of people like especially before there was there were things like game development schools like they would go and that's what i'm he- hearing about and reading about is like people who go and learn programming from that which is what i did and, yeah i went to a game development school yeah. i went to kind of the best one in the world uh, dit digipen institute of technology in red mm-hmm. washington uh, I went there because the team that made Portal, K- 
came from there. They yeah. made a game called Nerbacular Drop in their senior year of college at Digipen. And then Valve just bought that entire team, say, oh, you're all part of Valve now, recreate that game in our source engine, yeah. and that's what Portal is. Wow. Um, it's an amazing story. And they yeah. sell that for marketing reasons sure, pretty sure. heavily. Same thing, again, actually happened with Portal 2. The gels, the propulsion gel, repulsion gel, that came from a game called Tag the Power of Paint, okay. which was another DigiPen student game yeah, that yeah. Valve bought and co-opted. Like, it happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually one of the main reasons that Seattle is the game dev capital of the world because that school has been operating since the 80s. Uh, the chairman was Claude Comer, who is the uh, chairman of Nintendo Software Technologies, NST, in the West. He studied in Japan for a long time. He's this Lebanese foodie war hero. I, I love Claude Comer. Uh, <laughs> That's a good business card. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it, he actually, so they originally made that school because in the 80s, uh, there weren't enough qualified engineers to work for Nintendo. Because okay. it turns out, uh, programming for games is actually really hard. <laughs> it's a lot easier now because we have yeah. uh, game engines to help that will do 90% of the work, but even still, the most cutting edge of game yeah. development, it's actually the most difficult form of computer science possible okay. uh, other than like writing compilers, which okay. yes, you're, you're writing programming languages with pro like compilers right. is, is wild. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, game development is actually as complicated as like missile launching systems wow. because it's just it, it seems silly but it's just graphics programming which is just calculus and linear yeah. algebra just hardcore math um linear surfaces oh my god uh and like um yeah and and a, a video game is this incredible piece of software that it has to run at 30 frames per second or 60 frames per second mm -hmm. ideally and that's crazy, and people don't really consider how hard that is. Because compare that to something like Microsoft Word or yeah. Teams or Discord. Like what they're doing, of course, you know, it's not like you can just make that in your sleep, but it doesn't have to run 60 FPS. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's hit hit a button, an H appears on the screen. Yeah, right? like Microsoft <laughs> Word is not really doing that much. The most complicated thing Word is doing is autocorrect, which is something you literally learn in the first semester of like DigiPen. Oh, of like okay. a good of a good, you know, if you get a good CS degree, you know, uh, a spell check is yeah, like a beginner thing. Yeah. Like, and that's the hardest part of Word. Okay. Word is a very simple program ultimately. Whereas yeah. even a dumb video game is trying to render multiple images, multiple sprites with varying translations and positions and rotations, all, all this scale. Uh Constantly, yeah. And then uh, the other aspect that no one thinks of is audio. So yeah. out of game programming, most difficult field of computer science there is, basically. Um, that, now we have AI, but AI is actually a lot easier than people think. Uh, but that's, uh, audio programming is the hardest subset of game dev because, okay. well, graphics. You know, you have to do all your visual calculations, all of your game logic, all your system AI for enemies or whatever, uh, your physics even, you have to calculate all that like one in a 60th of a second. Yeah. So it's just so, so quick, so constant. Uh, but then audio, as you, you know, as an audio guy, we have to run that at 24,000 frames per second. Yeah. And so when you're doing audio programming, um, it's so hard. It's just very low level and performance based because if you miss a single one of those 24,000 frames of audio, yeah. there's a very audible pop and that's not acceptable in any professional software. Right. Whereas even with a really good 60 FPS game, if you miss a frame every once in a while, no one will notice. Right. Uh, like it's much more generous yeah, than audio. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what I studied audio programming at, at DIT. Uh, pivoted for there from graphics and physics because uh, I had kind of already taught myself that when I was in high school. Yeah, and I was very smart as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> went, went to went to nerd nerd school to make video games over like Harvard and Yale actually, which you know kind of regret in in retrospect. But you know you know, live and learn. How long so, were you there? Uh, so yeah, I have an interesting path. Um, I was at DigiPen for just under two years, okay. and then I dropped out. Um, I. Yeah, I feel bad about this because it feels like bragging, but I was the first student in the school's history to get waived into master's level class okay. after my freshman year, actually, which I'm pretty proud of. And again, I just kind of, it'd been my dream school since I was nine mm -hmm. and I knew the curriculum already. Like I, I actually have multiple of their marketing packages that they send to like pr prospective students. Okay. I have like four of them from 
across the years. So I could see how when they added new programs and how their marketing kind of packaged, how it evolved, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I knew the curriculum. And so I and also knew DigiPen is a very hard school. Like it's they're very proud of their dropout rate. Uh, which I'm not <laughs> super, you know, I, I get it, but also it's kind of crappy. Uh, well, the, no, but it's like, I know that there's like a certain, the schools are beholden to uh, like a graduation rate in order to justify certain programs existing. So it's like, it, like, it, it does sound like, you know, pretentious and whatever, yeah, but yeah. it's also like, you know, <laughs> and on the other side of that spectrum is like, graduate everybody so we can say we have the numbers of grad you know what i mean yes like, yes so no, it's like if that, I, that makes that makes everyone's degree mean less if absolutely and i and i don't think degrees mean very much frankly well <laughs> I, yeah I, i'm very You're talking to a guy who has so, two jazz degrees so. yeah yeah i well, as someone you work inclined to agree uh, yeah do you still work at unov now or, i do yeah. yeah so i just stopped working at unov a year ago yeah. as someone who worked for unov last you know, Two or three years. Yeah. Uh, I hate I hate UNLV and I hate public education <laughs> with okay, well, vehemence. I'll, but I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll skip we'll, that. <laughs> we'll skip, skip that. that part. I don't <laughs> now to clarify for our listeners and especially if there's some of my students. Uh, I don't regret going to get two jazz degrees. I I you know if not just for the piece of paper, it's like I I am you're you're going through a. a, a trial that you're you're able to come out and say i did that and i don't i don't i think there's always merit to that no matter what you do after that you know um i i don't like and then i was also a ga so i saw some like i peeked behind the curtain of all the politics that happens at at school and it just it's not for me you know what i mean mm-hmm. like um but that's we'll we'll move on from that so like you i would to, love to talk about that for three <laughs> hours but you will not different me. i know yeah yeah um so but, but so then, so so, uh, did you pen Harvard? You said Yale too. Uh, yeah, no, it's just because I was a smart kid. Like I had like 99th percentile SATs, and I took all IP classes when I was in high school. Yeah. So like I got you know all a bunch of offers and stuff. But I um, I was very poor. I grew up in poverty mm-hmm. uh, without internet for most of my life. So I'm still wow. kind of weird with social media and that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's just sort of like a, I like I want to catch up. With what uh, I missed, no, kind of well, thing, it's uh, well, yes, there was that. So I. Yeah, so we're bouncing all over the place. But when I was a teenager and I didn't have like a good enough phone or the internet to run Facebook or Twitter or whatever for a long time or Snapchat back when that was a thing, mm. uh, I was very snobby and uppity about it. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's beneath me. Social media is so bad for you. It's like, oh, I don't know. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't use social media because I'm better than it was my, right. was my personality What year uh, was this? Teenager. Is this like that what? was probably when I was like 15, 14. So- uh, and then I got a phone. That okay. could run Twitter, and I immediately reneged on all of that, and I became a social media butterfly. Like immediately, <laughs> well, I had and so it was I, I so was, bad. I was asking not because I was trying to like figure out how old you are, but like no, yeah, yeah, it's okay. it's more uh, like because when I was in college the first time when Facebook came out, and it was just like I was talking about that with a friend of mine. It was just like you talk about how drunk you were the night before on your Facebook wall, which, which that's like the dark ages of like, this is just this new thing. It's like MySpace, but it's better. And you could talk to mm-hmm. your, and then it became like all what it is now. But, uh, it, I, what I mean is like you weren't necessarily wrong to think like, Oh yeah, no, no, I, I, no, I hundred percent. No, I, I <laughs> believe know? I was more correct than I knew. Like, yeah, no, I mm. don't think social yeah. media is good for humans <laughs> at all. It's very bad. Yeah, we were coming uh, back but, around to that. But I'm very fallible in myself, and so right. as soon as I had access to it, well, I became a social a media. Being, I became know, a social yeah. media addict, like anyone else, if not more so. Right. And I was like, lived all, my whole life on that. I was obsessed with you know 800 Twitter followers, even though I did nothing. Like I yeah. at that time, I produced literally it's, nothing. It's a button but in the back of your brain that's being it's, smashed. Oh yeah, no, no, they're little... they're designed to be addictive and manipulative. Yeah. Because that's how they make money. Yeah, it's yeah. like they're all for-profit corporations, and they're just, yeah. they're trying to absorb your money. But uh, that that being said, world. yeah, I'm I'm fallible, ex- extremely so, and uh, yeah, so I was did that thing, um, fell off. I was I wisened up and got off all the social media yeah. after a few years, but uh, still ma- made some dumb some dumb <laughs> mistakes there. So uh, so after Harvard and Yale, where was it? How did how did what happened? Uh, no, no, no. So my point was is that like I went to video game school over any Ivy Leagues. Right. Uh, big part, you know, that was partially because I, I wanted to make video games because I was very sure of my path. Uh, also because I was very poor and so I knew I'd go, like I am in a lot of debt because Digimon is an expensive private yeah. school. 
I'm in like $120,000 of debt <laughs> as a result. Um, I'll bleep out I, the amount so, if I, know, no, so they fine. don't come for I you. I don't care. No, I don't care. It's fine. Uh, got them then, here. Whoever wants them, uh, I'll take <laughs> I'll take 10% of that uh, debt collection. I'll hold them in my bathroom until you get here. Oh, that's fine. I'm paying it off now. I'm paying it off now because I, I make good enough money. I actually just sold a patent for 42 grand. I'm pretty there happy you go. about. But, um, I, uh, but yeah, so I went, I went to nerd school as a result um where can i can i interject and just ask what uh was there because you are who you are and you 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 have this this uh brain that you do (laughs) or you must have had people coming up to you like do you want to join the military son or like you know like were they trying to make you go and do like this or that like was there pressure from outside sources for you to go into something other than game development uh not not so much as you might think like definitely not military pressure even though i actually i have always kind of wanted to join the military and that was a backup plan to join the air force well since um since well, programming as, rockets is so easy oh no 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 so that's the thing is yeah no no that like at digipen it's a video game school yeah they everyone goes there goes there to make video games or like pixar animation yeah uh, and most of them do some of them go to NSA, to the NSA, or to the CIA, or to the military, yeah. and they do missile guidance. I was going to say because it's all <laughs> part of the same thing. It's all yeah, the same yeah. Skills. No, no. Well, actually, Digipen is primarily a farm for Microsoft. Okay. So it's a very weird school. It's nothing like UNLV. It's only like a thousand people total, including mm-hmm. staff. It's very tiny, and the campus is just an old Microsoft building that they bought and barely retrofitted. So when you go to one of the classes. It's as if you're just working at Microsoft, yeah. basically. <laughs> okay. So that's why it's very effective uh, right. at producing Microsoft workers. Yeah, and that's I, and, them, yeah. and that's why you know, Digipen is like number seven, uh, seventh in the country for average graduate salary. Um, you know, with a CS right, degree, yeah. Uh, because yeah, it just makes a lot of people to go to work for Microsoft, Nintendo, and Boeing. That's the three main hires. Okay, uh, but then yeah, decent amount go to the military as well. Uh, it's it's dumb, <laughs> but I yeah, I wisened up. I left school because I wasn't learning a lot, um, mainly because I'd overprepared. Because I I knew it was hard, so I you know taught myself a bunch of the curriculum beforehand, and that as a result, I knew the curriculum beforehand. Right, so I did right. well. I did well. Uh, and then dropped out just to work. So I worked at a couple startups in Washington. Uh, one was an aerospace thing, uh, both with Microsoft people. So Microsoft has a very generous moonlighting program. Okay. So everyone who works at Microsoft, particularly the higher-ups, they all also have a side hustle. They mm-hmm. all also have a startup side business that okay. they're trying to do. So I worked for the side businesses. Okay. Uh, one was an alternative to a space elevator called the Atlantis Project. You, yeah, you said I love. That wish. Was- I hope it happens. It yeah. never will. I guarantee it will never happen because it would require well, it's like the entire age, planet yeah. working together. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But <laughs> and we'll get into that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not, um, but no. Are we? Uh, and are the we other burn up before then. Or? The yeah, uh, anyway. the other one was a video game uh, startup called House of How, which I honestly I barely participated in. I joined that pretty late. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look them up, that's they released a game called Spartaga on Steam, which is like a 3D Galaga, okay. very quick, cheap VR project that made a good profit as a result. Uh, VR is an interesting space because the market cap is so small. It, it's a there's you know it, it's not really it doesn't make sense for a big studio to make a game a VR game because so few people have VR systems. Okay? Right, there's not that many people we can sell to, but as a result. There's not that many VR games, so everyone who has a VR system tends to buy all of the games yeah. that come out because there's not that many options. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. So it, it doesn't make sense for really big companies, but if you're kind of smaller, it might make a lot of sense to make a VR project right now still because okay. there hasn't been much headway. Uh, Oculus has, has done a little bit more for the space um, in the last five years, but it's still pretty <laughs> Pretty uh, pretty small. Byron, Byron Beasley, if you're listening, uh, there you go. He's this friend of mine who's making a uh, uh, VR um, piano thing. Mm. It's like with like haptic feedback and stuff. Anyway, uh, yeah, so yeah, there you go. So yeah, yeah, they made they made so they made a profit off that, and then they actually transmogrified into a second party Minecraft developer, which is what they do now, and they make okay. They're very successful as a result. I'm very happy for them. They've blown up. Like when I was there, it was four people. Yeah. Now I think they're like 40. So they're. What's the name of it good. again? House of Howl. House of Howl. Um, okay. But yeah, I barely did anything for the company, frankly, because I left almost as quickly as I came. Right. Uh, due to family circumstances that moved me here to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. 
So that was my kind of winding path. Uh, we jumped all over the place. But, that's great. Yeah, I did a lot of video game stuff as a, as a, as a teenager because I wanted to go to the, that school, uh, to DIT. Uh, left for a lot of reasons, mainly financial, not learning. Just wanted to work. I, I wish I had just started working when I was 17, 18. I right. think that would have been a much better path for me. But, you know, it's fine. Well, you there's not a whole lot of people in the world that would go, like, you don't need Yale or Harvard. What are you doing? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I, I would. So yeah, no, I'm, tell, I'm telling my kids do. that. Oh, my God. No, no, no and I don't. get it because it's like, yeah, if you're, if you're doing the research, if the information is out there and available anyway and you know you have the drive to go and, like, research all this stuff and do all this stuff, like, then, yeah, you kind of don't. Like, I've... And I, you know, in talking about post-secondary education, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of value to it because it, it sort of, whatever, forces you to go and do this within a certain amount of time. But I think more valuable thing is just learning how to do that yourself. (laughs) Like giving yourself something to do and making a plan on like, I'm going to finish this in February, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that. But, and I found a lot of success in just the decompression periods after and before uh, formal education that I've done because like it's the prep for it and it's the okay now I can actually go and like explore what I learned in that class two semesters yeah, ago. So I uh, yeah without going into it for three hours yeah. as much as I'd <laughs> like to uh, short summary of my feelings on education sure. system uh, that I think I don't think college is inherently bad yeah I just think mostly 18 year olds should not be going to college uh, they mainly see so what you have to recognize is that all real universities, including public schools, if not more so public schools, are for-profit corporations. Yeah. And so their goal is not necessarily to help you or mm-hmm. to make you graduate fast or cheaply. Their goal is to extract as much wealth from you as yeah. possible, which means keeping you in the college system as long as possible, which is why the average bachelor's degree now takes, like, what, five and a half years yeah. to get? Uh, that was that's not how it should be, and we also have a bunch of useless degrees that don't actually help you get a job at all. I got two um, of them right so there. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, it's fine if you want to do it for a passion. Yeah. I just mainly recommend people don't go to college until they're like in their mid twenties and they know for sure what they want to do and why they're going. Cause yeah. Because the, this idea, oh, I'm going to go to college when I'm 17. And then I'm going to drink and party, and then maybe I'll figure out something I'm good, I like yeah, and I'm good at. Maybe I'll get a degree. It's That's the dumbest thing ever. It's you a know, weird little slice of Americana uh, pop culture of, like, you know, American Pie-ism, uh, where you just have this... It's what you do. It's what you... <laughs> yeah, well, the, the reason for <laughs> it, you know... It's what spoiled is, is, white boys have done for years, so let's all go do that. Well, uh, okay. Well, the reason the reason that this happened is because of World War II, of course. Everything is because of World War II. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, that after World War II... Everyone came back from the war, and they were now adults, even the ones that you were drafted at 18. Like, they went through a very harrowing experience for several years. Everyone's ready. They want to get back to work. They're, we saved the world. We're energized. Yeah. And so they had very specific goals. Like, oh, I want to open a bakery. I want to be a cobbler. I want to do a factory. I want to have, They want to start businesses and do specific things. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. And they were in their 20s and very motivated. Yeah. So as a result... They went to college, that a big group of people that produced the baby boomers, uh, and they graduated college and became a very successful uh, generation mm-hmm. that built so much infrastructure and all these great things uh, right. for the country and the world. Uh, this is a global thing, but particularly in America, I'm speaking of. And as a result, what the colleges did is they say, oh, hey, look at this generation. This generation went to college, therefore they're successful. That means you should all go to college. Yeah, it's the formula. We figured it out. But yeah, but correlation is not causation. Yeah. So what actually happened is a bunch of people who were very motivated with specific goals went to college. And they're successful. It was the combination of those two things. Just going to college without any motivation or specific goals, it's probably not going to work out too well from you. You're most likely just going to end up with a lot of debt and maybe get a degree, maybe not. And you're basically just going to start over at 22. Yeah. The same as if you just start looking for jobs at 18. So that's my main. That's my spiel. No, that's, (laughs) that's, I cannot think of anything. Look, and it's not like I'm not beholden to like, no, no. If it comes to the point where uh, my superiors at UNLV sit me down and go, you know, you should really watch who you're having on your your podcast, <laughs> yeah. uh, then I don't think they're That's really a uh, university at that point because yeah. like it's it. My whole view of it is that like if you can't ask <laughs> questions, you have to you have to criticize, you have to speak truth to power, all that crap, you know, whatever. Hmm. But um, anyway, 
I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, yeah, to, to, to bring it back. Yeah, <laughs> I've been trying to get through my timeline, and we keep Sorry. going astray. It's all good. So I left. I left Seattle. Came to Las Vegas for yeah. family reasons, and then again, I'm an adaptable person. When I was in LA doing film in yeah. Seattle, uh, ga- video games. Now I do casino gambling game stuff. I still do a lot in the video game space, mainly through game jams and um, and my lectures and that kind of thing, which I really enjoy. I ran the IGDA Las Vegas for a while, mm-hmm. uh, but my career now, uh, currently, I may I have, I actually don't say that, uh, but I am <laughs> it's okay, working, point. Yeah, working, yeah, working in sentence. the casino game industry at a company called Galaxy Gaming uh, after working for the UNLV Center for Gaming Innovation, part of the International Gaming Institute, part, in partnership with the Department of Economic Development. There's so many acronyms that UNLV yeah. it drives me crazy. <laughs> There's a, uh, not another business card. Uh, yeah thing for you uh but yeah i I helped ran that program the game 480 uh, gaming innovation class at unlv uh, which was hugely beneficial for me that's what got me into casinos and uh, helped me learn a lot and i got my first patent through that so i'm technically an inventor which can go on my grave (laughs) i'm very happy about that and literally a week ago i sold it um which i'm very pleased by uh, I just had to pay $3,500 to my lawyer as a result, which, you know, that sucks. But it's lawyers, al- on- lawyers always win is the, <laughs> is the lesson. Um, yeah. yeah. But but yeah, so currently in casino space and going to stay there for the foreseeable future. Um, Congratulations <laughs> on all that. Like, it's, that's that really is awesome. Like, yeah. you, you're, you deserve all of this. You work so hard. Um, you're very, you're just. I am a workaholic. Yes. You are. I can. And I, there's something about like, I don't know why I know that. I mean, it's just the way I was raised. It's like you, you work really hard the, your whole life and that's just it. Like, and I just respect the hell out of that. Um, but um, I think it's cause I'm fueled by um, latent, uh, you know, Irish Catholic guilt. <laughs> where, aren't, where we like, if, yeah. aren't we all? Aren't we all? But uh, no, it's just like, I think a certain amount of that, it's like, uh, you know, I like my coffee a little bit bitter. It's like a little bit of that is good for you, I think, because yeah. it's it, you could turn that into motivation. Um, after hearing about all that, um, your journey and everything, it makes a lot of sense that you are sort of like, would you consider yourself a generalist? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, I've always development. Always been a generalist. That mainly comes from uh, making games when I was a kid in high school. Well, and, and, and that. You, so I you, just made a whole. I you know I made dozens of games when I was a teenager. Yeah. From start to finish, by myself, doing everything. Yeah. That's where I really was able to uh, start. You know, my skill set. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I generally kind of do everything by myself. I would. Yeah, so we're we're moving towards the the T shape. Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, sort. I was just gonna touch on the fact that, um, like you, you, I think of generalist, and I think of you know jack of all trades, master of none. But you went and you're you're doing film, you're doing art, you do you do you go really far into everything you do. So it's like you're you're not just kind of like learning a little bit. Like I'm not going to go learn pixel animation or mm-hmm. stuff that does have to do with game development. I know you should learn as much as you can about everything, which will bring us to that T model thing. Um, but like you, I think of it as like, I'm not the type of person that's going to go do that because I don't, I don't feel like I have enough time. I don't have your brain. Right. But like you're, you're doing, you, you, you get really deep into everything you're, you're doing, which is just, I, I totally, I respect the hell out of that. Um, yeah, I don't, um, I'll, I'll agree to that. I, I will say I'm not skilled at very many things. Like I'm definitely not skilled with art okay. or, um, most things, but I uh, have enough knowledge of art and like color theory and that kind of stuff so that I can at least give critique and know what is reasonable or not reasonable to ask of an artist. You'll, you're in an you're you're good for an executive position, is what you're saying. <laughs> that what? No, yeah. It's just <laughs> so teamwork coordination is the most important skill in yeah. game development. Most important skill in in most things and in okay. life. Even so, uh, I say that being mostly a solo developer for yeah. almost my entire career. Sure, but it's still you know even even still, if I have to work with one other person, that's that's 50% of the team. Well, and it's, uh, it is really hard to communicate. Even if you do both have the same like idea of what something is, there's always going to be little like snag points where it's like, I learned this slightly different than you did. And it's like this weird, it can be, it can just be really hard to communicate with someone, especially if you are working with them professionally, you don't really know them 
like personally or or even if you do know them personally it's just and yeah and that, that's the thing that's part of my personality is that i uh like to be very personal with yeah. everybody i yeah. wear all my emotions on my yeah. sleeve <laughs> i you know i it's a lie to say i never lie but like i basically never lie i only lie i only lie about like dumb stuff to my family because i want to avoid an awkward conversation that's the only time i ever lie uh and it's um yes i'm just a very honest and open person Uh, i'm a oversharer for sure yeah (laughs) uh but that yeah i just i think communication is super important for any relationship personal professional and you know at my work i'm a game designer at galaxy gaming currently you know i go to lunch with every single person in the office so i know everyone's at least basic personality everyone's kids everyone's like when they come in and leave um you know not best friends with everybody i'm best friends maybe five percent of the company but uh have a have a you know a going relationship with everyone i really care about that um, and yeah, that, that's something that I definitely had to learn because my whole life as a, as a kid growing up, I thought I was a very shy introvert. And, you know, you can say I, I was and maybe my personality type changed or maybe I was just sheltered and, right. and isolated and didn't interact with people. But now I know I'm a huge extrovert. Right. I love talking to people. I love giving you know public speaking to crowds and all that kind of thing. I'll talk to anybody on the street. If I'm in the mall, I'll talk to you at the side bench. Like, I don't care. Uh, See, there, that's where we differ. I, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. But yes. Like, uh, I definitely enjoy talking to people, but I only, like, in my head, I'm like, I don't want to just talk to anybody. You know what I mean? Well, that's <laughs> the thing that I, well, it's, it's, it comes down to kind of my core personal philosophy. So, yeah. um, you know, we're talking about game development, but everything in game development, it's like anything else in life. It's any other skill. So. Yeah. The advice I could give about game development really applies out everywhere. And one of my most core fundamental beliefs, uh, belief values, is that everyone is the hero and the victim of their own story. Yeah. That I think nobody, I don't believe in evil, that, you know, everyone is the product of their nature and their nurture. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit of a determinist in this sense, but I think determinism is kind of stupid at the same time. I'm weird <laughs> about it. Uh, but it's, um, yeah, that I just really pride myself in being able to find common ground and be friends with literally anybody. Because yeah. we're all human. Uh, we all share infinitely more in common than we mm-hmm. differ. And oh, especially yeah. when that comes to like divisive things like politics. like oh, every, yeah. Even the most uh, seemingly politically divided people share more in common oh, than man. you could possibly imagine. I've, ne- I've realized that, especially in the last couple yeah. of years. But, uh, yeah, and, and the, uh, the reason for that, uh, or why our reason for our assumption of these stereotypes is because that's just how the human brain works. Like yeah. I, I'm huge Other, on evolutionary yeah, tribalism kind of, yeah. Evolutionary psychology is pretty much my favorite subject. You know, everything is about sex and everything's about death. That's <laughs> the driver for all human yeah. behavior. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, and even sex is about death. Like everything's about death ultimately. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, thing is not beautiful because it lasts. It's a natural part of life. Um, but you know, all, our brain at a chemical level on our neurons, they, they work on this by forming heuristics, which are heuristics are basically stereotypes that were we conceive the world as a baby uh, by taking in stimuli and then categorizing it into sets of sets that you see. OK, yeah. this shape, chunking. that's a squirrel. It's, yeah. yes, it's chunking and forming stereotypes. So like you under you start to gather what the concept of a squirrel is yeah. as you mature from a baby. Uh, and so you're like, oh, yeah, squirrels are these really tiny, furry, brown, fuzzy things that climb on trees and collect nuts or something. Yeah. And then you see a gray squirrel, and that shatters your previous stereotypes. <laughs> and it's okay, like, okay, yeah. now I have to adjust yeah. my heuristics of what this pattern is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's just how the brain works, and we're tribal hunter-gatherer animals at our base form. So yeah. every everything about our sociology is ultimately comes down to tribalism, yeah. which is why we have these divisive things. But... In truth, you know, our, we're not perfect beings. Uh, the world is not so easily categorized into stereotypes. It's the world is very flowy, yeah. and fuzzy, timey whiny kind of yeah. thing. It's it's very, <laughs> it's very, it's very <laughs> awkward. It's these wuzzy lines. It's getting wuzzier all the time. Uh, that's. I make, a lot, into a I make a book. lot of references. <laughs> like, I speak pretty much in only references that only I get. Like, right. no, no one's going to get... Timey-wimey. Well, no, that's the thing. I said wuzzy lines, only getting wuzzier all the time. But anyone <laughs> could tell me what that's from. I will kiss you. Like, I don't... No oh, okay, I don't, no I don't one know knows, No one knows my references. If, if anyone fine. knows the reference, uh, <laughs> post on Instagram. Hashtag... <laughs> Was I forgot it already? Wuzzy, wuzzy. So wuzzy lines getting wuzzier all the time. 
Um, so in, in saying that you're an extrovert and like the, the idea of, uh, having all of these, being able to communicate with people, you taught me about the T model of, Mm -hmm. of, uh, Working as a team, which is not even just as it pertains to game development, but it could be applied to any like company. Yeah, really, yeah. Team, team model is just a way to describe uh, an individual, and you know, it's just a useful kind of you know, it's just a, a useful way to model yourself to make yourself as hireable as yeah. possible, as as useful yes. to a team as possible. Yes. So. Not something I invented. This is a very common, no, no, for sure. common idea in the popular culture of game development. Uh, I actually first learned about this when I was a teenager from the leaked uh, Valve handbook because okay. I was obsessed with Valve as a kid, as a Portal Two modder and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they do this cute little illustration of the Team Fortress Two heavy in the T pose and then describing. Okay, this is the ideal Valve employee. You have this wide breadth, this top the top part of the T this horizontal breadth of skills. You know a little bit about almost everything. Mm-hmm. You can at least understand what is being said. You can at least give critique. You can at least be useful in the room. Yeah. But then you have that primary shaft, the vertical part, yeah. of this deep knowledge. You have this breadth and depth. So for me, I'm a game designer. That's my that's my role. I consider my depth to really be on psychology and creating, you know, psychology, that's just creating fun, engagement, ex- yeah. engaging experiences for players, uh, designing the rules and mechanics of a game is what a game designer does. And then I also have a very deep depth with uh, computer science. Yeah. Not the biggest in the world. I'm not, I, I am a sure. software engineer, but I'm not like a compiler creator. I've, I've made like one crappy compiler once as a test project. You know, I, I have some knowledge, but I'm not. I'm That's not, your primary. I'm skill. not one of the people that. Well, we're not here to pushing, quantify pushing the. Well, no, no, I can <laughs> yeah. quantify anything. But I'm not the one pushing the boundaries of graphics programming at EA right. kind of thing. Like, but I can code sure a, a game from scratch pretty well. Um, and then I have my wide breadth with uh, audio stuff. I'm a huge audiophile. Uh, I listen to like four hours of music every day. Yeah, I was. I, I was kind of <laughs> like you sent me. You at a, at a certain point we were whenever we get into like texting each other it's like uh, <laughs> I get I, I I'm like I have I have to like compile this for later in a document because like there's so much stuff that you send me that I'm like I'm I super really bad. do I do want I know yeah to I'm it. super <laughs> bad like I'm super Taylor bad at texting I'm super bad at social media stuff because yeah I didn't no, but even, it's I fine. didn't grow up with it so like my brain works stupid. Uh, no, no, and no, I'm but, just I I'm a very all or nothing person. That's sure, the other kind of core pillar of my personality. That's fantastic. Is I no I I don't know. It's no, but like that, look, if <laughs> if I was just a random person that you just met and then like you're texting me as much as that, I would be like, well, who's this guy? But <laughs> but it yeah, wasn't. no, it's it was just like, when my focus on something, I give a hundred percent, one hundred forty percent, whatever. I love that. Uh, and I then yeah, that. when I'm not yeah, I just I try really hard or I don't try at all. Yeah, I think it would be good if I had more middle ground, <laughs> but I. I'm just, yeah, no, I just have my weird quirks are all about that, that I'm just a very binary person, or yeah. I like things to be binary. Yeah. Even though I'm also the, the first person to say that, oh, the world's, it's gray, it's the shades of gray, it's, it's like everything's gray morality, everything yeah. is these 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 yeah. complex shades on a spectrum. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I really hate doors that are just like halfway halfway open sure i want them all the way swung open or shut closed yeah bothers me otherwise yeah when i'm wet from the rain in washington because washington rains all the time <laughs> i i don't like being partially wet i want to be soaking wet or completely dry <laughs> it just annoys me so if it drizzles uh, you go into the bathroom and just like pour yeah. water on yourself yeah i would rather just jump into a pool uh like oh no that's the thing it's like oh god when i was in europe as, as a kid like i would just jump into the english channel fully clothed in jeans because i'd rather be soaking My wet underwear's than- dry this is yeah that's funny uh but yeah no so i when i speak i'm the same way that if i'm talking to you <laughs> i'm just never gonna shut up uh otherwise well, i kind of forget you find and I, look and this is again like i think i wrote something in the notes that's something along the lines of like set up barbed wire for the tangent twins um being you and me um this is good for me because i i've found in just listening to my own voice on this podcast it's you go off on this and that and then a lot of times like if i listen to it a week later i'll forget what i had said and i'll go back and listen to it as someone listening like remove yourself be part of the audience um and i'm i'm like i don't know where i was going with that i can edit and go oh, okay i'll just i'll stitch this to here and it'll make sense yeah um but 
yeah, it's it. I'm getting I'm getting to the point now where I don't have to edit episode unless it's requested mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> where I don't have to edit. So it's like uh, this is good for me to have to like wrangle somebody who does the same thing that I do. But you you go down a tangent because you're like, I have something to say about this. And so you're like, I'm going to open this door entirely and go right down this. Uh, at the detriment of possibly losing your train of thought of the original thing. That's all. So I, that, that's my, one know. of my favorite things is to unwind my train of thought. Where yeah. it's like I go on four tangents and then I'm like, okay, <laughs> we were started talking at this point. How the hell was I talking about yeah. like 1940s Gerber baby food or something? And then I have to walk it back and that's my favorite thing to do in the world. So I like yeah. stacking. Yeah. Well, you should write mystery novels or something. <laughs> Um, I love so, writing. Yeah, no, I, I try to be. A, yeah. So, okay. So the T model thing, it's, and that, and that was really cool. So leading from there, um, because, um, well, okay, let, let, we'll signpost that. Um, because I want to talk about, I went from, uh, I graduated with a master's degree in composition. I'm going into, uh, doing more teaching and stuff. Um, and I was trying to figure out what what I can what can I do with hey with my formal education right, um, I start researching and researching researching and I learn about um, I was like okay well I know some audio things I know here's I, I what does this composer do what does that but what, what do you, it's like any anybody would do the same kind of research it's like mm-hmm. look at somebody doing something that you like and figure out how they got there um, and I found out you know. Video love video games, love composing music. Go from there to learn about a little bit more like audio stuff. Uh, you know, you can do sound design, doing sound design and foley for like film and stuff. Blah blah blah. I end up going to finding IGDA uh, Vegas, which mm-hmm. you uh, so you were a, a so I was co-founder co-founder of the okay. IGDA Las Vegas. I was vice president. Um, that was yeah our local Las Vegas chapter of the. International Game Developers Association. Thank you for yeah, saying Big it. global group <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, yeah, has big communities in kind of game dev hubs like Seattle yeah. and L.A. and San Francisco and that, those kind of places. But all over the world, mm-hmm. chapters can range from as much as like five people to 500. Well, and uh, people can just go and like you can if you are in a city where it doesn't exist, can you... Is that what you did? Like yeah, you yeah, you just said, you like, just create it. Yeah, you that's just found it. it. So yeah. if you're listening, anyone looking at game development, you're you live in, uh, I'm trying to. Uh, if you live in Kentville, Nova Scotia, and there's no IGDA, <laughs> um, you can start it. Go find their website and contact them and figure out because there's because every this is all we're all part of one conversation here. Everyone's the same. There's all little pockets of of the same types of people everywhere spread out all over the world you'll most likely find people that want to do the same kind of thing but yeah so you now we'll add kentville yeah. nova scotia to my bucket list I'm okay there you go there. that's where that's where i grew up so okay. um so i, I did a, a a fair amount of kind of event planning when i was still in washington even in school i ran clubs i made a game design club when i was a teenager and i taught people how to make games love doing that kind of stuff uh, at college i did a little bit of club club kind of work um, and then Las Vegas is, you know, huge community of gaming, but not really game video game developers. Right. So I kind of had to invent it from scratch. Meaning just gaming, a, like casino gaming. Yes, and casino and gaming, and and, huge industry, huge community here. Yeah. Uh, but they're not necessarily the type of people that will want to go to like meetups and kind of thing. They're they're more a little bit more. They're you know, they're more like buttoned ca- up, counting and, their and money parties. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, <laughs> Mainly just people that just go to work and then go home to their right, kids, no, and they're not, yeah, you know, not really the I'm, young. No offense the to anybody crowd. who does. I was, it's oh, again, joke, no, this is a bunch yeah. of my best friends in yeah. the galaxy. Uh, but yeah, but like I, you know, I'm younger, younger people. Generally, there are some older people, but generally, younger people that like want to be involved in something because of our monkey brains. Like we yeah. just want to be a part of a tribe. Sure. Uh, and so yeah, I wasn't really a video game dev community in Las Vegas, so I created that with the IGDA. Uh, we'd host little events uh, right across the street from where I work now mm-hmm. at the uh, Innovation Switch Center. And, you know, once a month, get some pizza and then have some uh, speaker. I gave a talk there once, you know, let some random people, random schmucks like me give talks, but mm-hmm. then get some people from like Discord and Valve and Epic Games and PC Gamer, uh, yeah. Kate AdWords from the IGDA, who's wonderful in Microsoft, uh, have her give a talk, um, fly in, which is super cool. Uh, so we were actually, uh, for a brief period, the largest tech meetup in Nevada, which yeah. I was pretty proud of. 
mainly that means if you're the largest in Vegas, you're the largest in Nevada. So it's like a little, <laughs> yeah, okay. a little bit easier sure. for me. Uh, sure. But that was cool because we'd get like 100 people at some of the events, which is, was really great. Um, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. Did that for a year or two um, and then pivoted more towards my work with UNLV yeah. uh, at the CGI and then now I'm doing Galaxy stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, and like, and so I around... It's probably in 2018, 2019, I was looking at, I, I ju- had just learned what a game jam is. or and Actually, I hadn't even really done that yet. It was, it was I found IGDA and I was like, oh, they have these workshops. You can just go for free or talks or whatever you would want, want to call them mm-hmm. um, about, you know, and, and in my networking uh, intuition, I'm going, okay, well, I should just. Like you said to me at one point, go and be the only composer in the room mm-hmm. is a great spot to be in, right? Hey, that's a good idea. Uh, I should go to, and go listen to some talk about mobile gaming that I have no, like, will just go over mm-hmm. my head. But um, I'll go and just meet some people and just kind of find out, blah, blah, blah. And so I went and I started going to these. I went to, like, a couple... And then like I brought a couple of my composer friends. Mm. Uh, I was like, you should check this out. And like, these are just some options of what we can do. Um, and it was when I brought my friend Carlos. Uh, it was when I met you. Um, and you were you were just you were just kind of. And here's the thing: is like, thank you for being your, you, the type of extrovert you are, because like it is really hard, especially when you have a friend there mm-hmm. to be like. You know, it's the awkward thing at a party where you're looking mm. around like this, whatever. But you come right up to me and just like, hey, what's going on? And I say <laughs> we're composer and you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. Because you're like a unicorn in this kind of, uh, you know, world of just mm-hmm. someone who's just a composer. Um, but uh, and then so we we all went out for drinks afterwards and, and like, you know, you, you picked my brain about stuff. And I, I learned like way more from you than you learned from me. But, um so and then you know you're like you should start doing this weekly game jam thing and then the rest is you know uh off we went um but uh the thing that i appreciated especially about that weekly game jam is is what you were talking about is just like finishing the idea of finishing small projects so that you have not not so much that oh look at how many video game titles i have to my name and then like I don't know how much or, you know. I have a talk about that exact thing. That's yeah. one of my favorite YouTube talks. It's yeah. about and making it, small games. And I'll, I'll yeah. link everything in the show notes as well as we'll verbally say it at the end of the episode of like where to find your stuff. But yeah, Gunner, you have you have so many resources for, for people interested in this stuff. Um, but it's, it's not, it applies, the finishing thing applies to, I teach that to students now. It's like you don't. Like, if I give you an assignment that is transcribe this tenor player, um, and you you get, like, the first one and a half choruses. It's two choruses. You got one and a half. Why, like, it, it, time management shit aside, it's like, there's so much that you can get from, ju- not even just the satisfaction of finishing something, an assignment. Just the idea of, like, it's done now. It's this sense of finality of moving on to the next thing and the idea that you're leaving a trail of maybe it's shitty work, but it's going to get better and better and better. And it's only going to get better from like parceling it up into a finished thing and and then setting it aside and then looking at it as from an audience perspective. And that's Mm -hmm. how I think about things, just, just breaking up things into like whether I'm doing like a sound design reel or a you know uh i don't know like a track just mm-hmm. whatever uh or a transcription or whatever it just like little chunks of work <clears throat> it once it's done it's out the door you're you're able to get a little bit more momentum than if you're working on like maybe a larger project over a couple of months that you sink all this time into and then it has these stakes to it that are like if it's not good, then I've just wasted four months of my life or whatever, you know. Key rule for life, never compare yourself to who someone else is today. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. So just always be trying to improve your own self, your own work, because that's all you have control over. You yeah. have no control over how other people think of you, yeah. how other people um, respect you, or you fit into the landscape, or how much you sell. 
obviously, yeah, you can do things. That's <laughs> a little bit facetious because you can do things to improve. You know, walking outside naked is going to affect how other people think of you. But that's <laughs> you only control yourself. You don't control other people's reactions or emotions. Is my point. Um, You're the and, one looking. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, and so doing small things, small games in this case, but this really applies to any skill, anything in life, yeah. break it down to as minute of a baby step as possible, and then just try and finish. Because if you endlessly spin your wheels trying to produce your magnum opus, it's just never going to happen. Perfection is the enemy of good. Perfection is the enemy of good enough. And most importantly, perfection is the enemy of profit. That is the main thing. You got to cake through your life. And mm. this is something that I've had to learn. That is not natural for me at all. I am a tremendous perfectionist by nature. Yeah. Uh, I've wasted so much time, so much of my life, you know, my brain wants to say, but uh, so much time on projects that go nowhere because I, you know, so you mentioned writing earlier. I write novels that I never release because I don't like them enough and I endlessly restart them, which is super bad. Uh, the proper way to write a novel, which I know I understand intellectually, but again, there's a difference between understanding something and actually doing it. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm much better at this with games than I am with writing because mainly just from practice and skill um, experience. So with writing, I understand the same logic that, yeah, I just need to write, write a piece of creative fiction start to finish don't worry about the quality don't edit it as i go that's a yeah. terrible habit that i yeah. do that's perfectionistic and don't get bogged down on how other people are going to perceive it just produce you know don't think create yeah and the more you can do that the more you're actually going to get things done and the faster you will improve because trying to endlessly tinker on something you're just not going to you're not going to learn as much and improve as much as if you would just produce something. Yeah. So yeah, one of my talks is making small games to amplify your design skills. One of my favorite ones. And that's all about just doing this this habit that I created in the last few years of creating small tiny games mainly through game jams. Mm -hmm. So, game jam, it is a hackathon for game development. Yeah. Hackathon, you're just creating a piece of software from start to finish in a very short time frame. So typical game jam is you're going to make a video game from start to finish, empty blank project in a game engine, which is the software used to make games, uh, start to finish within 48 hours. Yeah. But it can be any length of time. It could be a week. It can be a month. There's all sorts of different game jams. Uh, my favorite game jam on itch.io, which is the main website that game jams are hosted most popularly. It's kind of like I consider it as an outsider uh, like the YouTube exactly of, of that's games. how I describe like you can, it yeah, or like you know Evom's world back in the day it was just like <laughs> you go and you go and like play video games in the browser you can yes try a bunch I of stuff absolutely pitch made. it always as the yeah. YouTube itch.io uh, and so yeah one of my favorite jams for uh, a year year or two was the try jam so that is a three-hour game jam so I make a game from start to finish in that's three hours nuts to incredibly me. aggressive incredibly yeah. nutty uh, but it's it's doable, you know, you, just something you, you build a skill with. And so I did that because, again, I'm very fallible and I'm not perfect at this stuff. So I would try and do game jams uh, that were a week long, like the weekly game jam, which I yeah. really like. <laughs> I really like the weekly game jam. Good community. Uh, and that's where you yeah, make a video game in six or seven days, start yeah. to finish. Uh, super cool way to meet other people. And other it's always going on, too. Always that's going on. That's so super it's great. flexible with your schedule kind of thing. Absolutely. And you don't have to take up the whole week. You can do it only a day or two, whatever whatever's best. Yeah. Jarring interruption, anyone? I'm just here to tell you to go to part two. Uh, we had a long conversation, so I couldn't fit everything into one episode. See you there. Part two. Go. Now. Let it autoplay. <laughs>